Guys, Farzine Vasugin here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Ready for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Very excited to talk to you guys tonight. Uh, should not be a very long show. Obviously, we've got a lot of things to discuss with the Chiefs and Bills. It is going to be a big one. And uh, man, uh, obviously, this is a game that a lot of people are going to be tuning into because everyone knows whether it's the regular season or in the playoffs, these two teams just always have some sort of entertaining ending. Something wild always has to happen. It's like it is in the contract of the football gods to make sure that the Chiefs and Bills will have some sort of a crazy ending that'll get everyone talking for a long time. Uh, obviously, the last time these two teams played, in the playoffs, it was the 13-second game. It's a game that people in Buffalo still discuss to this day. Uh, but I am very excited for Sunday's game. It is the last game of the season. So obviously, it's the main event of the divisional round. Would not want it any other way. Listen, I said this before, and I, uh, I'm, 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 I'll still say it now. I'm glad this is the game that we're getting. I'm glad this is the Chiefs going to Buffalo because everyone talks about how Buffalo has to go to Kansas City. And how the only time the Chiefs ever went to Buffalo was in 2020 when there were no fans. So now the Chiefs will actually go to Buffalo in the cold in the playoffs with fans in attendance. So you're going to get that this time around. So no excuses whatsoever. And I think a lot of people uh, are going to be tuning into this one. I'm very excited for this. I'm glad Mahomes is going to have that road playoff one. Yeah, the road playoff one. Everybody keeps talking about that. Um... So we'll get into that and much more. Well, you know, this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Obviously, the playoffs are in full swing. We have college basketball going on. Baseball is going to be starting up very soon. And if you guys want to go attend an event, go to SeatGeek.com. Get your tickets from there. You see a green dot next to those ticket prices. That is a good thing. Get your tickets when you see a green dot next to it. Avoid the ones that have a red dot next to them. And if you're a new SeatGeek customer, I've got you a little uh, bonus there. You can use my promo code Farzine. You will save $20 off your first ever purchase from SeatGeek. So if you're a new SeatGeek customer, go to SeatGeek.com. Enter my promo code Farzine and you will save $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Can't beat that. 20 bucks off your first purchase off the first event you want to attend. All right, let's get things going here. Let's start with the news from today. Obviously, it's Wednesday, so practice uh, underway. The, uh, the game plan, all that stuff now being installed for both teams. Only two Chiefs did not practice for... Um, for uh, today's session, uh, Derek Nadi, who's dealing with an elbow injury, uh, Andy recalled an elbow injury on the injury report. It is listed as a uh, tricep. And then Cam Jones, the linebacker, uh, not practicing for the Chiefs. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and put up the um, the injury report here because there, there, there are a lot of people on that injury report. Uh, 13 from both teams. Uh, yeah, there it is right there. Um, Kadarius, Tony, Justin Ross, and drumroll, please. Sky Moore practiced, uh, today. Uh, all three of them were limited in, uh, practice. So make what you want out of that. Uh, I will say this, um, 
I know Kadarius Tony. We can talk about that offside and the and the drops he's had this year. Uh, well, first of all, who hasn't been guilty of a drop this year for the Chiefs? I think you need I think you need Kadarius Tony for this game. I really do. Uh, I know, I know. I'm I'm nervous too. But who are you going to turn to? Marquez Valdez Scanling. A lot of people really aren't interested in seeing much of him right now. So uh, people people are looking to someone right now and i think Kadarius tony uh, wouldn't that be quite the story Kadarius tony who you know was essentially the difference maker in allowing buffalo to be the home team for this game what if he goes off and has, has the big game i'm not expecting it but boy what a topic of conversation that will be monday morning uh, i i mean that would be everybody would be talking about how the guy who was liable of where the location of this game is going to be and there being the hero. I don't know what the odds are on that happening, but I will, uh, I will let you guys uh, decide on that. So I don't know, man. Uh, It's going to be a crazy one for sure. Justin Ross. We'll see if uh, he'll be available. Sky Moore is kind of the interesting one. Now I don't anticipate Sky Moore will play the way the chiefs handle the 21 day window, which is um, what they started up for Sky Moore coming off IR. That means if you are an injured reserve, you can practice and the chiefs or any team must uh, activate you back to the 53 man roster within those 21 days. The chiefs, the way they have handled it, they have kind of waited till the, um, till the 11th hour to really uh, put that uh, to, to use, um, meaning they do it on the 21st day, uh, which is the last day possible. And if you just do the simple math and you look at the fact that it's January the 17th, well, um, it's going to be February by the time uh, the 21-day window closes. So, again, this is just a, a guess, but Guessing off how the Chiefs have handled the 21-day window in the past with players, they usually wait till the 11th hour to do so. So if Skymore is going to play a game this year, I'm guessing the only game he would be available for would be the Super Bowl. Uh, boy, what a story that would be if the Chiefs could make it to the Super Bowl this year. With all the offensive woes, um, that would be quite the uh, quite the topic. Uh, Legereus Sneed, he had uh, a still dealing with that calf injury. He was limited in practice. Remember, remember this, the Jamar Chase game, game where he just shut him down, uh, allowed only just two catches. Uh, he didn't practice at all for that game because I know Bengals fans mentioned, oh, the shoulder for Jamar. Yeah, well, Legereus had a calf injury and didn't practice. Jamar actually practiced that week. So, uh, that's uh, good to see uh, the way he played. And then uh, the rest of the team, uh, Bolton, Bush, Noah Gray, Wanya Morris, um, who uh, Wanya Morris now back to practice. Charles Minahu, Rasheed Rice, Donovan Smith, and MVS, uh, they all practiced. They were all full participants in practice today. So that is generally a very good sign that those people will play. Now, let's look at Buffalo's practice. And before we go any further, it is worth noting that Buffalo does have a lot of snowstorms. Uh, the word that... Um, I heard out and about uh, from uh, the good old journalists out there. Apparently, some players were unable to make it to practice, so they didn't have the proper practice. This is not really an ideal week for Buffalo. They already are playing on a short week because their game got pushed back to Monday night. Uh, Tuesday is generally the off day for teams, and now Wednesday, their first day of practice, um, you got a lot of players that are not practicing, and I'll go over those real quickly. Uh, but just, just to let you know how crazy the store storm is, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, the NHL team, actually had to cancel their game uh, today. I can't remember who it was against. Um, 
but I know it wasn't not against my uh, Vegas Golden Knights, but uh, they're having to cancel sporting events uh, in Buffalo because of this. So that's how crazy the uh, the snowstorm has been there. You think the the storm in Kansas City has been bad lately? And don't get me wrong, I freaking hate the cold. Um, I, I want this to be over with. It, it was 30 degrees today, and that felt like a heat wave. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of so a lot of the streets are you know, pretty much cleared up, but a lot of the neighborhoods, they're still dealing with a lot of the snow there because those don't get cleaned up as much. Those are not a big priority, but because of the 30 degree weather and, you know, no cloud in sight, uh, you saw a lot of, a uh, lot of snow go away. Uh, you, you could actually see, uh, you could actually see the ground in a lot of places, uh, especially in the neighborhoods, which was, uh, which is good. So, uh, here's my thing with the snow, not to get off topic here. Um, to me, like, I have to, even the snow that's piled up, you know, on the sidewalks and all that stuff um, that's covering up the grass. I need all of that to go away. Even the snow that's piled on top of other snow. I need all of that to disappear. And then I can be happy and say, oh, sweet. No more snow. We got the grass back. Um, but uh, hopefully uh, we can get a lot of that cleared uh, as the week goes on. But in Buffalo, it is going to be crazy. They are expecting some snow throughout the week, but it should be all good by the time Kansas City tries to get there Saturday evening and as they get ready for their game on Sunday. So if you are traveling to Buffalo for this game, be uh, aware of that and uh, be safe if you are traveling, making the uh, the trip to watch the Chiefs on the road. First time ever in the uh, Mahomes era. All right, uh, before we get back to the Chiefs and Bills game, um, I do want to get into the wild card round and recap that. But before I get into that, I do want to touch on this whole thing with the Chiefs and kind of where they are with their football team um, and really just the expectations, kind of the downfall, the the um, the upward trend, uh, really the yo-yo season it's kind of been for the Chiefs. Um, and let me just say this, because whenever, um, whenever the Chiefs were playing the Chargers, they obviously had all of their backups in, with, with the exception of some uh, offensive linemen and Chris Jones for obvious reasons. Uh, but, but in that game, Spiro Deeds and Adam Archuleta, who uh, announced the game, they were talking about the fact that this is the quote-unquote worst year in the Patrick Mahomes era. Uh, they won 11 games. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs have always they, they, they've won 12 games every year with Mahomes uh, since Mahomes has been a starter, essentially. And the number three seed is the lowest seed the Chiefs have received um, in the Mahomes era. And yet, you know, the narrative from everywhere just sounds like this Chiefs team has completely collapsed. Uh, everyone's talking about how the, this Chiefs team, you know, they're, they're doomed. And the way people make it sound like it sounds like the Chiefs either missed the playoffs um, or were the worst team in the NFL. Now, the offense, yeah, uh, they definitely owe the defense a lot this year. There's no question about it. Uh, but you know what, man? I, I'm, I'm just tired of this narrative that, oh, no, Mahomes is getting carried by the defense. Do you know how many times Mahomes has carried the defense? I mean, let's not forget 2018, Mahomes' first year as a starter. The Chiefs had the 31st ranked defense, second worst defense in the NFL. Uh, and by the way, that 31st ranked defense was essentially an offside and an overtime period away from a Super Bowl. So this is, you know, I, I, we can pick apart the Chiefs and everything over the years and whatnot. It's like um, Mahomes damn near carried the second worst defense to the Super Bowl. Um, 
So, you know, I have no problems with the defense kind of returning the favor because it's always been Mahomes. And how many times have we always talked about the Chiefs having to score 30, 40 points so they can win a lot of their games? And now it's the other way around where the defense is returning the favor. Yeah, I know the, the imbalance is kind of frustrating. <laughs> it's like a perfect representation of this franchise. But um, nonetheless, you're winning football games at the end of the day. Uh, and I think this Chiefs offense is picking it up. A lot of people feel like this Chiefs offense has gotten better lately. And why are they getting better? Well, we're in the playoffs now. That's uh, that's a big factor. Uh, ESPN put out a really interesting graphic here that I want to read to you guys. In the regular season against the Bills, so in Mahomes' four games where he has played uh, against the Bills, in the regular season, he's 1-3. That one win is in Buffalo in 2020 when there was no crowd uh, that year. Some some teams did have crowds. It was limited capacity. You get the idea. Uh, Buffalo, if I recall, did not. So Mahomes is one in three against the Bills in the regular season. His touchdown to interception ratio is seven to five. His completion percentage is 64%. Uh, yards per attempt, 6.8 yards. Uh, and the Chiefs average just a little under 21 points per game. Well, when they play the Bills in the playoffs, Mahomes is 2-0. He has six touchdowns, no picks. He has a 76% completion percentage. He's averaging 6.8 uh, or excuse me, 8.6 yards per attempt and the Chiefs averaging 40 points per game. Almost uh 19 points more than uh, how they do against the Bills in the regular season. So this whole thing with the Chiefs and how they do against the Bills in the regular season versus the playoffs, completely different animal, a uh, completely different ball game. Now, obviously, what's happened in uh, the 13-second game, the AFC Championship game, the four times they've been in the regular season has absolutely no bearing on this game. Yeah, sure, history repeats itself, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, but we all know, ultimately, at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with this Sunday night's game. The, the winners and the losers of this game will be determined based on how they do Sunday, not based on how they've done in the past. Now, I will say this. If Mahomes does come away with a win, what's the narrative going to be Sunday night and into Monday morning? Everyone's going to be talking about how the Buffalo Bills can beat Mahomes in the regular season, but cannot beat him in the playoffs. That is going to be the narrative. And if the Buffalo Bills win, then... Obviously, the big story is going to be that Kansas City got stopped in their tracks and Buffalo finally overcame that big hump, uh, beating the uh, beating the Chiefs in the playoffs when it mattered the most. Um, kind of uh, a similar story last year where the Chiefs, you know, everyone knows uh, Bengals uh, were 3-0 against Mahomes. And when the Chiefs won that AFC title game last year, uh, not only was the narrative the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, they finally got that monkey off their back, beating the Cincinnati Bengals and doing so in the biggest game of the year possible. So I always find this very interesting, uh, th those narratives. So um, it's um, it's always... Um, it's always crazy how, the, how that works out. But I'll tell you what, man, um, if the Bills do not beat the Chiefs, people are just going to be asking themselves, when is Buffalo going to have their window? I, I think, you know, to me, it's like th th this whole thing with um, with Buffalo not being able to beat the Chiefs. It kind of reminds me of like Colby Covington for the UFC. If you guys are UFC fans, um, he's a phenomenal fighter. And I know people don't approve of the things that he says, the things that come out of his mouth. Uh, but he's a phenomenal fighter, great fighter. Uh, but 
he has never been the undisputed world champion at the welterweight division because he's always had two guys ahead of him that have always uh, had a, j- j- just bested him. Kamaru Usman and Leon uh, Leon Edwards. Uh, two great fighters. Colby Covington, I, I think, has been like the number one or the number two contender in this division in the UFC for a long time, but he just cannot get over the best ahead of him, which was Kamaru Usman, and now it's Leon Edwards. Um, and I think the the Bills kind of fit that bill right there, where they're a great team, they do a lot of great things, but they just cannot get ahead of the Chiefs. They just can't. They can do it in the regular season, but um, they can't do it. Uh, they can't do it in the uh, in the playoffs. And Mahomes is looking to make that three and zero in the postseason. So. Definitely uh, looking forward to seeing that. Hey, before we uh, move on and talk about the uh, games from over the weekend, I want to share this real quickly. So as you guys know, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins. um, And Deshaun Elliott, the safety for the Dolphins, he was the guy that collided with Mahomes and cracked his helmet open. Uh, Not that that has anything to do with this, but I'm just trying to tell you who Deshaun Elliott is because he put something online that got a lot of attention. Here it is. I don't know where this is. This looks like a hotel because you can see some tables in the area. You can see someone's luggage back there. Yeah, see that right there? Uh, Definitely can see someone's luggage in that area. Um, So I don't know uh, exactly uh, what is going on here, but uh, clearly he's on vacation somewhere or at an airport. And look at this caption right here. I pray by the grace of God on the Chiefs downfall. I hope Buffalo beats them like they stole something. Uh, someone's mad. Someone is big mad. Somebody is big mad indeed. Uh, listen, I think it's completely natural to want to, the team that beat you, you want them to lose. What is with teams wanting their division rival to beat the chiefs? (laughs) What is this? Um, Bengals fans do this too. Like they will never root for Kansas city. Even if like the chiefs winning benefits them, they don't want that. They want the chiefs to lose. They will root for the Ravens and the Steelers uh, before they root for the chiefs, which I find funny. Um, And and listen, I I actually remember when the chiefs played the Patriots in the AFC title game, which we um, referred to with the D Ford offside moment there. Raiders fans and Broncos fans were all pulling for the chiefs to win. They were all pulling for the Chiefs, so okay, I get it, I guess, because nobody wanted to see Brady to continue winning, and now the Chiefs are in that Patriot situation where they don't, people don't want to see the Chiefs. People do root for the Chiefs' downfall, but I find it interesting that you know they're rooting for a division rival over the Chiefs. Here's how you know the Chiefs are great, and by the way, here's how you know it is a dynasty because you know the Chiefs win so damn much it makes you sick. And you have to root for the division rival. And you're praying for the downfall. And what was the uh, what was the uh, description here? He hopes that the uh, Bills act like the Chiefs stole something. Um, I can like imagine like a little kid writing that kind of thing, like on his uh, Facebook post. But man, for a professional athlete, to say, I, I, I don't know. Like, did someone at Arrowhead yell at him or piss him off? I don't know. Um, but I thought that was hilarious. So uh, Deshaun Elliott. Uh, hey, you know what they say? If you can't beat him, join him. Is that not the truth? I mean, that's that's a saying out there. 
Just saying. All right, guys, let's move on and talk about the wild card round. Let's do our wild card round recap. Texans 45, Browns 14. Not a uh, game that I expected to see at all. Not only did I have the Browns winning, I, I mean, the, the Browns just got destroyed in this one. CJ Stroud continues to excel. Joe Flacco kind of came back down to earth in this one. Two interceptions. I think in the same quarter, two, two pick sixes, was sacked four times. Cleveland ran 20 times for 56 yards. Just an absolute terrible game for the Cleveland Browns. Packers at the Cowboys. My God. Um, this one was not even close. Uh, the score looks close, but it's not as close as it looks. Uh, Packers got off to a 27-0 start, and they essentially never looked back uh, after they got that pick six. One more touchdown, and that was more than enough for the Packers to outscore the Cowboys in this one. Um, I don't know what the future holds for guys like Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, for sure, but my goodness, um, this thing with the Cowboys and specifically Dak Prescott in the playoffs, uh, listen, I, I just said it with the Chiefs and the Bills, in their history, this Sunday's game has nothing to do with what they've done in the past. But you know what, man? Sometimes there's just this thing like it's not meant to be. I don't know if that's just the case with Dak Prescott. This Cowboys statement, by the way, forget about beating the Patriots. Or no, I'm sorry, not the Patriots, the Bucks, uh, the team that Tom Brady played for, the second one. Um, and, uh, like anybody could have beaten that Bucks team in the playoffs. Okay, they had a losing record and they got into the playoffs. Um, won their division essentially. So um, the Cowboys, I mean, who can actually name the other game that Dak Prescott won? I can't off the top of my head. And I thought this was the year. I thought this was the year Dak Prescott and the Cowboys were going to overcome that hurdle and make a run. I thought they were going to make a deep run in the playoffs. They couldn't even get out of the wild card round at home. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's Mike McCarthy. I'll tell you what, man, with Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel both being available, I can see a lot of coaches considering firing uh, the, the coach they have, the, the teams, I, I should say. Um, this is uh, this has just been a weird year for the Cowboys. I thought this was Dak Prescott's best year, by far his best year. I know he had another great year before, but this to me was his best. And his best, still not enough to overcome that playoff hurdle. Lions 24, Rams 23. This was probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, came down to the wire here. Uh, the score was 21-17 at halftime. In the second half, we only got three field goals. No touchdowns. Two of them came from the Rams in the second half. The other one uh, from the Lions. The Rams made it close, but uh, unable to, uh, to do what they needed to do to come away with one more score in the Lions victorious. The Bills 31, Steelers 17. The Bills got off to a 20. We kind of recapped this on Monday, but I'll just do it again quickly. Uh, Bills got off to a fast start, 21 to nothing. And the Steelers did cut the deficit. Uh, a red zone turnover certainly did not help uh, the Steelers in this one. That could have been a big momentum shift uh, for sure if they if they could score a touchdown. But the Bills, I mean, they were just too much at the end of the day. Josh Allen, 203 yards, three touchdowns, was sacked twice. Uh, 74 yards off eight runs for Josh Allen, including a 52-yard touchdown run to help make it 21-0 in the first half. So Buffalo uh, did a lot. And by the way, consider the cold um, and all of that stuff they were dealing with. Uh, a great game for Josh Allen uh, through the air 
and on the ground, responsible for four touchdowns in this game. And by the way, I will say this because they got off to a 21 nothing start in what was the final score, 31-17. Uh, and, and the Chiefs, you know, they didn't have their best offensive game either. People love to bring that up in that Miami game, even though they scored 26 points. The Chiefs have, had been struggling scoring. Actually, I'll get into that later. Um because there is a point I want to make about the Bills, how they got off to a 21 nothing start, and they only scored 10 points the rest of the way. Um, and that's not to bash them. I'm actually going to compliment them in a way, uh, because I think there is some strategy there. Last game from Wild Card Weekend, Bucks 32, Eagles 9. Baker Mayfield, man, uh, the greatest moment of his professional career for sure. Yes, they did blow out the, um, the Steelers when he was a member of the Browns, but this one had to be special, man, to go at home, uh, dominate the Eagles the way you did. Uh, and, and listen, no disrespect to the, the Bucks, but sometimes this just happens in sports. It's not because the league hates you. It's not because the media hates you. Um, the Eagles losing is a far, far bigger story than the Bucs winning this game. Listen, I remember when the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots on Monday Night Football. You guys remember that game? You guys remember that game from years ago? Um, the narrative was not the Chiefs winning. It was the Patriots getting destroyed on primetime. That was the narrative. Uh, very rarely do you see blowouts be entertaining whenever a top tier powerhouse team like the Patriots get blown out on primetime, you can bet every dollar you have that a lot of people are going to stay till the final second because they want to see that handshake after a blowout loss. They want to see all of that at the end of the Yeah, Sean, you're right. They benched Tom Brady uh, in that one. Jimmy Garoppolo was born <laughs> in that one. And by the way, the funniest part of that game they threw a touchdown pass to Gronk in garbage time. And everyone knows Gronk's uh, signature celebration, the spike. He just like threw the ball, like sidearmed it basically to the refs. It's like they didn't even want to. He didn't even want to be there. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, it's a blowout. You get it. It'd be a little weird if he did spike it, but it was still funny. Uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is um, the Eagles. My God, man. Um I did not realize the need that city has to want to get rid of Nick Sirianni. I was completely oblivious to this. I know there were a lot of, there was a lot of criticism surrounding him. I knew that, but I was completely oblivious to this. I here's what I like to do, especially after a primetime game or after like a big moment, whenever um whenever a team has like a, a a crazy loss like this, I like to turn on their local sports talk radio to listen to the narrative and, and see what's going on. My God, the radio hosts did not hold any punches back on Nick Sirianni uh, in terms of his coaching ability. Um, the host was saying, uh, we're going to deliver the press conference from Nick Sirianni, which should be his last press conference ever as a Eagles head coach. I'm like, wow. Holy shit. And then the co-host said, if you're an Eagles fan, get on your knees and pray and thank the Lord, the football gods, that Nick Foles existed because their words, not mine. They think the Eagles will not be competitive for a very long time. I was completely unaware that there was this big of an outcry in Philadelphia. I had no idea that this was really going on. I was, I, I didn't know. I just didn't know. You just went to the Super Bowl 11 months ago. You really want to fire your head coach? 
They fired Doug Peterson after five years. The guy who led them to their only Super Bowl win ever. And by the way, who was the quarterback? It was Nick Foles. So this is the franchise that's had Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham, Carson Wentz. I mean, a lot of great quarterbacks over the years. But Nick Foles is the only guy that's ever brought them a, a championship. And that was under Doug Peterson's guidance. And they fired Doug Peterson. Okay, I get it. They were, what, under three, uh, 500 for three years in a row? I get it. But, man, um, this whole thing in sports about what have you done for me lately? Oh, boy. That is being taken v literally in Philadelphia right now. Uh, Eric says Eagles defense sucks. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what right now. If there's anyone that should be fired in Philly, it absolutely should be Matt Patricia. Bradbury torched like Philip Gaines. Um Listen, I don't know if I agree with firing your... First of all, you just fired someone not too long ago, and that guy got you a Super Bowl win. And the new, the replacement has taken you to the playoffs every single year and just took you to a Super Bowl 11 months ago. And I know they're not happy about blowing the lead, but they excuse it on the slippery field conditions and blah, 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 and the referees... You want this guy fired? Oh. Listen, I'll just say this right now. If they fire Nick Sirianni, nobody's going to Philadelphia to coach. Uh, seriously, like even Eric Bieniemy, who cannot get a head coaching job whatsoever, does not want to go there. Who, who would go there? I'll tell you one name, and that's Bill Belichick. Why the hell would it be Bill Belichick? The guy's going to be 72 by the time next season starts. So and he doesn't have a lot of years left coaching, probably. Um, listen, he's up there in age, okay? Let's let's be real. He'd be okay with a short tenure. Nobody else would. When when someone becomes a head coach, whether it's the second time, third time around, or the first time, if you're a rookie coach, your intent is to be there a very long time. Um, I'll tell you what though, I mean, everyone feels bad for Jason Kelsey. And obviously everyone saw the body language and everything on the sidelines and the report that came out that he's uh, retiring. Um, he did not necessarily push back on that, but he said he'll have an announcement later on his podcast. And he fought back some tears, man. Um, that's the only guy I feel bad for. When I was listening to Philly radio, even the hosts and the fans were like, the only guy we feel bad for is Jason Kelsey. That's the only guy. That Dude, even the tush push failed in Philly when they were going for a two-point conversion because they got the penalty to put the ball at the one. That failed them. Like that it was that kind of a night for for the um for the for the Eagles. I do want to share this real quickly because man, this is what sports are about sometimes. Um and I know the city of Philadelphia probably, you know, that they're feeling uh I mean this is kind of a hard week because they had high expectations and whatnot. This is pretty cool. So Jason Kelsey who goes to McDonald's uh, frequently, and this is uh, the employee she always runs into, Danielle Banam. I hope I said that right, and uh, Jason Kelsey uh, stopped by uh, today, this morning, Wednesday, and gave her a signed Eagles jersey. Not just a signed Eagles jersey. Look at that. That is the Kelly Green Eagles jersey. I'll tell you something right now. That Kelly Green jersey seriously is the best jersey color in the NFL. I, I love that color scheme. That should seriously be their permanent jersey uniform. 
Uh, but I, I guess they want to save it for special moments, and I get that. But boy, um, that Kelly Green is a very beautiful color. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, but and I, and I love this moment too. Uh, I mean, she's happy. Jason Kelsey looks happy, which is good to see because you know uh, he teared up on his podcast or, or tried to fight back tears, and um, uh, obviously you saw his body language. Monday night. So it was good to see him smiling and doing all of that. So uh, very cool to see. I mean, listen, man, I still remember uh, a few years ago, the homeless man who helped Jeff Allen get out of a ditch in the snow so he can make it in time for a game. Man, that story just blew up and became a a really cool thing. I know there was some uh, details that came out against the man and his past and whatnot. Um, And hopefully, you know, he's doing well, uh, whatever he's doing uh, nowadays. But uh, th- that was such a great story that everybody rallied around. And, be- and I, that was at the time when the Chiefs were not villains. They were they were the good guys <laughs> of the NFL uh, at the time. So uh, very cool to see, uh, nonetheless. Um, I, I, by the way, I did see this video that went viral of a uh, fan in Tampa as Nick Sirianni was leaving and go- heading back to the locker room. A fan had uh, a bucket of popcorn. It looked like it was about half full. Tosses, uh, tosses it, tries to hit Nick Sirianni with the popcorn. Um, that guy had the accuracy of Nathan Peterman, didn't even come close. And listen, even though he didn't hit him, guess what? Rules are rules. Security immediately identified him. He tried, he even looked at the security and was like, Yeah, 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 I'm leaving. You can actually hear the security guard saying, No, sit your ass back down. And he's trying to walk and make a run for it. And security immediately gets in there and, uh, and they stop him. So, uh, yeah, uh, don't don't do stupid shit out there. By the way, I'm telling you right now, if you don't if you don't know this rule, I'm telling you this rule right now. If you're at a Royals game and a ball goes into the fountains, do not go inside the fountains. You will get arrested. I've seen it. I did see one guy not go inside the fountains, but he reached with his arm over, and the police all showed up, and they had to. It's almost like when referees gather, like they huddle to decide whether it's a penalty or not. They determined because he did not go into the fountains. He just reached inside the fountains for the baseball that he doesn't have to get arrested. So, um, yeah, don't uh, don't toss things into the into the field. Don't do any of that shit. Um, They will get you, man. Uh, I've seen it many times having worked for the Royals in their media production. Don't do it, kids. Do not do it. All right, real quickly, I'll preview the division round and we'll get to the main event. Texans at the Ravens. That'll be Saturday at 3.30 to kick off the divisional round weekend. A lot of people think it's going to be the Texans. I think a lot of people in Kansas City think that because they want the AFC title game. I don't think that's going to be the case, guys. I I think the Texans have had a very good run. They've had a great turnaround. And I think a lot of people should definitely uh, give the Texans their uh, their props for how they've done. Uh, But man... um, it's time uh, It's time that it comes to an end. I think the Ravens are going to overpower them. I know Lamar Jackson does have that postseason little curse there, kind of like Prescott. He's, what, one and three? But I don't... I, and I think, by the way, there's going to be a shootout. I think both teams will score in the 30s or 40s. So this is going to be a really good game. I would definitely take the over on a game like this. Uh, but I have the Ravens, at the end of the day, being too much to handle for the Texans. Packers at the 49ers. Boy, um, this is going to be uh, after the Texans-Ravens. If I had to guess a team that might shock and pull off an upset, maybe the Packers, maybe the Packers, because, man, they definitely surprised a lot of people 
last week. And yeah, it's the Cowboys. Some people thought, you know, the Cowboys curse would continue. But Jordan Love did a lot of things that nobody expected in, the, in that football game. He played his best game ever. Kind of reminded me of Daniel Jones last year against a very good Vikings team that was prepped for close games. Daniel Jones had the best game of his life in the playoffs. And Jordan Love, not to say Jordan Love had a career like um, like uh, uh, Daniel Jones, but I just think at the end of the day, Jordan Love is a better quarterback. But I just don't know if he can handle that 49ers defense. And Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, I mean, that that's the best QB running back combo in the NFL this year. So I have the 49ers winning. Bucks at the Lions. Uh, I know the Bucks have had a nice little run as well, kind of like the Texans. It's been more of an up and year uh, season, up and down year for the Bucks. Uh, but the Lions, man, they look like a Super Bowl contender. They've looked like a Super Bowl contender since Week One. I hate to say it, but they've looked like a Super Bowl contender since Week One, and that is a football team that really did not look back and won the uh, division, won their first playoff game in three decades. And here they are. I think they're on their way to an NFC title game. So, so far, I've got all the home teams winning this weekend. Uh, you already know which uh, road team I have winning. You guys all already know that. Green Bay has a better quarterback in that matchup over San Francisco. Maybe, David, maybe. Uh, Lamar is a playoff choker and Purdy is too soft, Lewis says, and doesn't do well against physical teams. I don't disagree, but I just I just don't know if... Um, I, I, I just don't know if the Ravens uh, defense is going to break against CJ Stroud. I think it's going to be a shootout. I really do. But I think in the end, you know, the experience will be the one that prevails. That's how I see that happening. All right. I've been teasing it long enough. Let's get into it. The main event of the weekend chiefs versus the bills. This is going to be a good one here. Uh, whether I mentioned, um, They've, they've got a lot of snow throughout the week. The day of the game, the high is going to be 25, the lowest 20. Winds are going to be at 11 miles per hour. But as we know, the Kansas City Chiefs do not give a damn. How do we know that? Because in their first drive of the game, they started off with three passes to get things going. So they certainly are not going to shy away from throwing the football, no matter how cold it is. And this is going to be somewhat more ideal weather than what the Chiefs had this past Saturday against the Dolphins. Um, and I did mention winds 11 miles per hour. So uh, that is uh, one to uh, be aware of. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, they're announcing this one. Some of you guys like it. Some of you guys don't. Referee for this one, Sean Hockley. I saw a lot of people were pleased with this one. <laughs> Uh, he uh, refereed two Chiefs games this year, the KC win over the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, and he also did the Chiefs game in Foxborough when the Chiefs beat the Patriots, and he did do a, uh, a Bills game earlier this year. That was the Bills-Eagles overtime game that the Bills lost. They, um, they got the field goal, but the Eagles got the touchdown to win, and those are the three games Hockley has done involving the Chiefs and Bills in 2023. Head coach Sean McDermott, uh, did Polo come away with a win in the playoffs, but I don't think his job is secured just yet. He's still been, he's been on the hot seat for more than a year. And, uh, there's a lot to get into with this builds offense. Um, a very good offense, uh, coordinated by Joe Brady. Obviously he's the interim offensive coordinator. And I certainly think he's earned himself an opportunity to be the full-time offensive coordinator. Would not really shock me if he got some eyes as a head coaching candidate, given how much the bills offense has turned around ever since they fired Ken Dorsey after the Monday night football loss to the Denver Broncos, which God, that, how'd they lose that game? 
12 men on the field on a field goal that the Broncos missed. So they did it all over again. And um, the Broncos won. Hold on, there's breaking news here. The Cowboys are not making head coaching changes, and Mike McCarthy is returning for the 2024 season. Okay, that is according to Adam Schefter. Interesting. So we just got done kind of talking about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, um, if that's what you want. Go for it. Uh, the, the the thing about the Cowboys is this. And, and listen, I think Mike McCarthy is a great coach. He did a great job in Green Bay. And I think he's done a good job in Dallas so far. But, you know, in places like Green Bay and Dallas, doing a good job and getting to the playoffs is not enough. You got to you gotta win the big games. And I think that was kind of Andy Reid's. Um, that, that was like the issue Andy Reid had for a long time. The Chiefs were, what, like one and four before Patrick Mahomes? And you got Mahomes, and now you're winning all the playoff games. So... Bear with me. I got to post this real quickly. Bear with me here. Okay, got it. Thank you guys for uh, for waiting. Uh, I can't multitask. I can't do two things at once. I'm not Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, he's uh, he is staying in uh, in Dallas. Some people are probably surprised by that. Some probably not. Yeah, I agree, John. I do, I do think Jerry Jones is the issue, but we'll discuss that another time. Okay, I got done talking about the offensive coordinator. Uh, in terms of their offense, the stats, fourth in total offense, 10th in passing, 7th in rushing, 6th in points per game. And um, when you look at the Bills, just the way they've played, um, this is a team that's top 10 in everything offensively. So you got to be ready for, for a lot of things in this game. And let's look at Josh Allen because a lot of people feel like this game is going to be won and lost based on the type of game Josh Allen has against the Chiefs defense. And I fully agree with that. Josh Allen has just a little over 4,300 yards. That's fourth most in the NFL. 29 pass touchdowns tied fifth. And he has 15 rushing touchdowns tied with Jalen Hurts, another quarterback, for the second most touchdowns this year, touchdown runs this year, I should say. Um, he is responsible for 44 touchdown scores altogether on the year. Obviously, no one even comes close to that. Uh, 18 interceptions, though, that is the second most. Um, Mahomes has 14, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 24 times he's been sacked, that is tied for 29th with Jake Browning and Joe Burrow. Jake Browning and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen all have the same number of sacks. Two of those guys play for the same team. And I did the simple math on that. The Bengals as a whole have allowed the third most sacks to quarterbacks. Uh, that's not good. That is not good. Anyway, uh, Allen has five fumbles, uh, lost three of them. So he's he's been, you know, turnover heavy again this year. There are some games where he cleans up the turnover, some games where he turns into a turnover machine. So that is uh, that is the one thing that I think a lot of people are looking at. If Josh Allen can take care of the football, Buffalo wins this game. If Josh Allen becomes careless with the ball, Kansas City is going to be heavily favored to win this game. If they can capitalize on offense, which they have to do at this time, you can you cannot survive on off field goals. If Josh Allen commits a turnover, you 
better take that back for a touchdown, either with a defensive score or with Patrick Mahomes leading the damn offense down the field for a score. You got to get sixes in this one. Uh, you could have done it easily against the um, Dolphins and, and Bengals, and I guess the Chargers, even though they were backups in that one, can't do it this time around. The only way you can do it is if Josh Allen has the turnover game of his life, and I don't anticipate that to be the case. I think Josh Allen will have some issues against this Chiefs team. 100%, I, do, I, I believe that. Um, this Chiefs defense is the best he's gone up against this year and the best he will go up against this year. And they're going to rattle him and give him issues. And by the way, keep one thing in mind. Nick Bolton uh, did not play. I'm sorry. Drew Tranquil did not play last time these two teams played. And I think that is going to be key because Josh Allen, with the amount of running he does, you're going to need a QB spy on him. So Nick Bolton, he'll be doing a lot of that. He comes out and in Drew Tranquil's turn, uh, you know, he'll be fresh coming off the sidelines. Chiefs need that. The Chiefs need that in this game. And I don't, I won't dismiss the possibility, especially in like red zone situations or short yardage situations. The Chiefs might have both of those linebackers in there to try to be ready. And, you know, maybe like nine or 10 other defensive players can focus on the play action. They all bite on that. But if that one guy who doesn't bite is Drew Tranquil and or Nick Bolton, that might be the difference maker because I think those two guys have done a phenomenal job anchoring this defense right down the middle uh, of the field. And uh, that is going to be very key. If that is going to be ever pertinent for a game, this is it for the chiefs. Those two players right there, Nick Bolton and drew tranquil, 100% going to be those two guys in this game. Uh, if you look at how Allen did against the chiefs, he threw for 233 yards a touchdown, a pick, sacked three times, sacked by Carl Loftus, Ominihu, and Trent McDuffie. He also ran 10 times for 32 yards and a touchdown. He was responsible for the two touchdowns Buffalo had against Kansas City. Uh, in the Week 18 game against Miami, in Miami, he had two touchdowns, two picks, and a lost fumble. Defense and special teams absolutely lifted Josh Allen in that game, despite throwing for 359 yards. Um... The yardage is nice, but the turnovers almost cost him the game. By the way, he's ran for uh, 57 first downs. That is the ninth uh, total amongst runners. Uh, Jalen Hurts was second in that category, thanks to the tush push, which failed miserably. And by the way, with Jason Kelsey likely retiring, rest in peace, tush push. I know a lot of you guys are happy about that. Uh, running back James Cook. And Latavius Murray, got to get him uh, involved in this discussion as well. James Cook rushed for over 1,100 yards, fourth most in the NFL, only a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Latavius Murray has 300 rushes or rushing yards, rather, for and uh, four touchdowns. Cook was averaging 3.14 yards per carry the last three games of the regular season off 49 carry. He was averaging pie. For all you math nerds out there, he was averaging pie in the last three regular season games. He did run 18 times for 79 yards against the Steelers. Also caught four passes for four, uh, five yards. Um, he's fumbled just four times, twice against the Chargers, and then twice again against the Broncos, which is interesting. Uh, ran 10 times for 58 yards uh, against the Chiefs. Josh Allen also ran the same amount of times against the Chiefs, uh, did it for 32 yards. And by the way, when you look at that, 10 times for 58, okay, that's a good yard per carry average, but that's not. it's not like the, the, the Bills steamrolled the Chiefs on the ground or anything like that. Um, as a team, the Bills ran 28 times, 
while Allen had 23 or 42 passing against the Chiefs. Um, however, it is worth noting, uh, James Cook did catch five passes for 83 yards and did have that long, uh, long one that went for a touchdown. Uh, he was their leading receiver for Buffalo against Kansas City. Stephon Diggs, everyone knows about Stephon Diggs, more than 100 catches, uh, seventh in receptions, one of 12 players with 100 catches on the year, close to 1,200 yards. That is the 13th most in the NFL. Eight touchdown catches on the season, uh, tied eighth with a bunch of other guys. Six straight years of 1,000 receiving yards. Did not have double-digit touchdown catches this year after doing so the last two years. Fell short of that this year, but still a very good season for Stephon Diggs. But the second half of the season, kind of a quiet one for Diggs. Seven catches for 52 yards against Pittsburgh was also quite against the Chiefs. Four for 24 yards was targeted 11 times. You all know the reason why. L.J. Sneed, Trent McDuffie, um, the safeties, they've been pretty good. Now, the big difference is Brian Cook not going to be available for this one, uh, but Drew Tranquil it will be. And I, I'm curious to see how that pans out. Mike Edwards has played well, obviously uh, responsible for a couple of takeaways in uh, as many weeks. So hopefully he can uh, continue to have uh, a big uh, hand in uh, helping the Chiefs defense. By the way, Diggs, he had 100 plus receiving yards in five of the first six games. Ever since then, he's been below 50 receiving yards in seven of the last 11. Um, Now, again, he did have 87 yards against Miami to help the uh, Bills get that number two seed, but he just has not been as dominant in the second half of the season compared to the first half. And the Bills in general, like even though they've been on this tear the last um, the last six, seven weeks, essentially ever since they fired their offensive coordinator and have moved forward um, with uh, with Joe Brady. Uh, the numbers offensively for the Bills have gone down. Josh Allen has not had, like the game he just had uh, yesterday, or uh, Monday rather, that's the best game he has had in uh, ever since um, they had their new offensive coordinator. He hasn't had a game like that where he's uh, had three touchdowns and no uh, turnovers. He did have a three-touchdown game. I can't remember who it was against. I want to say it was the Jets, but it's the Jets. Uh <laughs> Uh, neither here nor there, but Stefan Diggs, you know, they're definitely going to try to get him involved. And if LJ Sneeds shuts him down again, well, guess what? They've got Gabe Davis. Who's a really good number two receiver, 45 catches for 746 yards and seven touchdowns got hurt in the Miami game, did not play in the Pittsburgh game. So we don't quite know the extent of his knee injury right now and whether or not it's going to keep him out. I think he will play. I can't anticipate a lot of these Buffalo guys missing this game. I just can't anticipate that. Um, by the way, Gabe Davis broke the NFL record for most touchdown catches in a playoff game. He did it against Kansas City in the 13-second game. So uh, that um, that uh, uh, certainly, uh, obviously, you know, he would have traded that record for the win. Uh, but just wanted to let you know, I kind of forgot about that because everyone just remembers that game for the for the 13-second moment. Um, he's averaging more, almost uh, almost 17 yards per catch. He had no catches off two targets against the Chiefs. He played 63 snaps in that game too. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if his knee will allow him to uh, be available in this one. If he's not available, then I'm sure the Bills are going to look towards Khalil Sakir, who had 39 catches for 611 yards and a pair of touchdowns. He had a 17-yard catch and run against the Steelers, where Minica Fitzpatrick, who you know one of the better safeties out there, absolutely whiffed on a tackle that he should have had. But Sakir shook him off, and he just ran to the end zone. Um, 
Now, again, you can't really uh, fault the uh, the Bills for that. I mean, if uh, an opposing defense can't tackle, it's not their fault. You have to take advantage of that because if you don't, somebody will. Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, they both caught a touchdown pass in the first quarter from uh, from Josh Allen. In fact, um, I was not aware of this, but uh, with those two guys scoring, that's the first time ever in NFL history two tight ends scored in the same quarter, two different tight ends scored in the same quarter on the same team in a postseason game. So... There you have it. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, 73 catches, second most on the team for 673 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Dawson Knox had 22 catches for 445 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And uh, as I just mentioned, they both scored in the uh, game against the Steelers. Kincaid had two for 59 against the Chiefs. Uh, Knox had two for 36 against the Chiefs. Oh, by the way, I apologize. Um, Kincaid had two for 59 against the Steelers. Uh, Kincaid in the again, Chiefs game on December the 10th had five for 25 yards. He actually led the team in receptions that day for the Bills. You look at their offensive line. They've got a pretty good offensive line, an offensive line that's played together quite a lot. Um, the most snaps they've played together uh, for an offensive line, uh, for an offensive unit this year. Right tackle Spencer Brown. They do have some weaknesses, though. Uh, when you look at Spencer Brown, he will face Carl Loftus, and we know Carl Loftus has been eating quarterbacks this year. Uh, Spencer Brown's allowed five sacks on the season. He's allowed 41 pressures. That's tied for 22nd most. I'll tell you where the key is for this game, though. The right guard, Osiris Torrance. He's allowed 44 quarterback pressures. That is the third most among offensive guards this year. Guess who Osiris Torrance is going to be going up against? You all know it, Chris Jones. And I know the Chiefs like to put Jones in so many different places. They like to line up, line up uh, excuse me, line him up in different spots. Um, sometimes on the outside, sometimes on the inside. But man, uh, you gotta line him up against uh, Os Osiris Torrance every single time because that guy struggled this year. And you put him up against Chris Jones, that to me is gonna be huge. That that is how you beat Josh Allen in this football game, guys. Chris Jones versus Osiris Torrance, that's the matchup that'll win you this football game. Because if Chris Jones is out there scaring the shit out of Josh Allen, Josh Allen, I mean, he's got to be ready for this Chiefs secondary because if you're pressuring him pretty quickly, and I think Chris Jones can do that in this one, and I think Karloftis can as well, my God, you better have some short yardage routes ready for Josh Allen because if he does not have that safety net to throw to on short yard passes... Good luck, because you all know what Legereus Need is capable of. You all know what Justin Reed's capable of. You know what that secondary can do. Trent McDuffie, um, uh, Jalen Watson, Josh Williams. You know what those guys can do. And by the way, I'll say this. I brought this up earlier this week, and I'll say it again, because this is going to be key for the Chiefs. The Chiefs only got two sacks on Tua. The magic number is sacking through it, th excuse me, two or three times, because if you do that, the Dolphins are one and five this year. Now the Chiefs won that game, but they didn't get the, the three sacks that I was hoping they would get. And this one, uh, oh, by the way, one more note about the uh, the Bill, uh, the Dolphins game. The Chiefs did not send a lot of their defensive backs in that game. They didn't. They love to send Trent McDuffie. They love to send Justin Reed. They love to get Jalen Watson out there going after quarterbacks. They did not do that much against the Dolphins, and they didn't need to because the Dolphins only had seven points. They could not get anything going. They had one great play, and that was the pass to Tyreek Hill. That's all they had in that game. This Chiefs team, 
I know what, uh, here's what Spags is going to do. He's going to have that four-man or three-man rush at times. And if it's not working, you know he's going to send the blitz. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I prefer to send the blitz early. Don't wait for for to, to see how, how that pans out early. Send the blitz. Make a statement. Rattle Josh Allen early. Get the Buffalo crowd out of this game. Because if you can do that, you got a great chance of winning this game. That right there is going to be the key. And by the way, I forgot, I forgot to make a point. I was meaning to bring this up. I talked about how the Bills got off to a 21-0 lead and they only scored 10 points the rest of the game on Monday. The Chiefs, they did not have the greatest offensive showing ever. Uh, they had four red zone stalls, uh, which, by the way, I find interesting because everyone loves to criticize the Chiefs for lack of scoring, but they've been scoring more lately. And I trust that they're going to turn those red zone drives into interceptions. I, I do. I really do. I think Rasheed Rice had that big coming out party last week. I really do. Where, you know, you saw five defenders zero in on Travis Kelsey, and that led to a wide open Rasheed Rice touchdown on the opening drive of the game. But you can't double team everyone. You just can't. This is what they tried to do with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on the field at the same time. You can't do that. And we'll see if Kadarius Tony comes back. But if Kadarius Tony, <laughs> Kadarius Tony plays in this game, and if he can catch the damn ball, um, good luck. Because that guy will gash your defense if you leave him wide open. He's been open. He's just been dropping him. But to the point I want to make about how the Chiefs didn't have uh, the offensive terror people thought they should have had, and how the Bills um, didn't have as great of a second half compared to the first half, I truly do believe this. And I don't like this. I don't like when teams do this. Because I think you should have enough in your playbook to not feel like you need to hold back. But I truly do believe that both the Bills and the Chiefs held back in their games. Listen, they were both one-sided games. I know the Steelers cut the deficit and tried to make it a contest, but it, it was never to the point where they were threatening to beat the Bills. Even uh, Willie Gay tweeted during the game and said, well, this this past Saturday was probably my last game at Arrowhead. So I truly do believe that both coaches held back in this game. I really do. Because they know what's up. I mean, they're not dumb. They know what, what game was coming up. They can talk about this whole, oh, one game at a time narrative. I don't, not, not with this one. <laughs> this one's different. You all know it for obvious reasons. I'm not going to get into it because you all know we kind of got over it essentially all day long or all night long, I should say. By the way, I said this podcast wasn't going to be as long. I always say that and, and look at the time. <laughs> look at the time. Um, I just think at the end of the day, if you're the Chiefs, you got to send that blitz early. Do not wait to make adjustments and do it. Do it early. And if you're the second, if you're Legereus Seed, if you're Justin Reed, if you're Josh Williams, you know, whoever they don't send to go after uh, Allen, be ready. Be ready to bat passes down. Be ready to get picks because Josh Allen will commit at least two turnovers in this one. I already put that bet on DraftKings. I have Josh Allen committing a turnover in this one. There's no way that does not happen. I see it happening. Uh, other offensive linemen, I should mention Deion Dawkins. He'll be facing Mike Dana and Charles Ominehu. Ominehu, man, he's been awesome when it comes to pass deflections. Kind of like Carl Loftus hit, uh, last year um, with the um, with the uh, batted passes. So 
that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. All right, let's go to the Bills defense. Defensive coordinator also head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, the Bills defense ninth in total defense. Chiefs are second for comparison. I'll be doing comparisons for this one here against the pass. The Bills are seventh. Chiefs are fourth. Um, against the run, Bills are fifteenth. Chiefs are eighteenth. Points per game allowed, Bills are fourth at 18.3 points per game allowed. The Chiefs are second at 17.3 points per game allowed. The Bills have the fourth most sacks with 54. The Chiefs have the second most with 57. By the way, Miami uh, has the third most with 56. So that's the team uh, in between there. Uh, Linebacker A.J. Klein for the Bills. Um, (laughs) uh, He led the team in tackles last week. This guy was literally like on the street, literally on the street. He had his bags packed. He had his RV ready to go and was planning a trip for Key West, Florida. He canceled that last second to reunite with the Bills and play postseason football. And he led the team in tackles. Um, How many times have you heard that kind of story? Like we've heard of guys that maybe get picked up in free agency and make a key play. Uh, in the playoffs, but to, to lead the entire unit in tackles. Oh, interesting. So um, he was actually released on December the 9th, right before Buffalo came to play Kansas city. So this will be, I would imagine his first time playing against Kansas city this season, unless, you know, he gets a surprise cut at the last second, but I don't anticipate that to be the case because the build are banged up everywhere on defense. Terrell Bernard leading the team in tackles this year with 143, uh, average, uh, excuse me, has six and a half sacks, 10 tackles for a loss. He left the Steelers game with an ankle injury. Balon Specter suffered a back injury against the Steelers. Tyrell Dodson, he missed Monday's game due to a shoulder injury. He has two and a half sacks on the season. So you have a lot of guys on this Bills defense. They have a lot of people uh, that have been uh, dealing with the, um, uh, with injuries here. So, uh, they got to have their best guys really have their best games. And you want to look at their front guys, defensive end, Leonard Floyd, 10 and a half sacks led the team. in that category has nine tackles for a loss. Ed Oliver, a very good defensive tackle, nine and a half sacks, 14 tackles for a loss leads the team in tackles for a loss. AJ Appenensa, six and a half sacks, eight pass deflections, two picks. Greg Rosell has five sacks. He had a sack on Mason Rudolph. Uh, he and uh, Ed Oliver split a sack on Patrick Mahomes. In fact, I think that's the only time they got to Patrick Mahomes uh, when the two teams played on December the 10th. Uh, Daquan Jones, two and a half sacks. This is a very deep defensive line. I, I This is a very good defensive line. They don't have one like standout star like a Chris Jones, but they do have a lot of second, third tier guys that contribute a lot. Jordan Poyer, safety for the Bills, 102 tackles, 13th most among safeties in the NFL. And by the way, don't forget about Von Miller. Uh, he has not had a, he has not been a big factor for the Bills this year, no sacks, but can never count out the 13-year veteran. Obviously, going up against him so many times in Denver, you already know that is the case. Uh, Rasul Douglas, cornerback for the Bills, started the season with Green Bay, but did get traded and picked up by the Bills. He has four interceptions as a member of the Buffalo Bills in eight games, two of them against the Pats, including a pick six in that game. Uh, didn't play the last two games due to a knee injury. Again, we got the injury bug going around in Buffalo. Teron Johnson has three forced fumbles, left Monday's game with a uh, concussion, or is in the concussion protocol, I should say. 
Uh, Micah Hyde, he had two. He's had two picks on the year. Longtime vet, been around since 2013. Started his career with Green Bay. Joined Buffalo in 2017. And you want to look at their special teams real quickly. Deontay Hardy, he had that punt, the 96-yard punt return touchdown to lift the Bills over the the Dolphins to get the number two seed. That 96-yard punt return touchdown was the longest of the 2023 season. Tyler Bass, 24 of 29 kicking. He was two of two against the Chiefs. He was one of three last week. Uh, one of them was blocked. The other one was just a terrible kick that went wide left to try to essentially extend the the lead late in the game, but didn't matter. But uh, in the cold, man, um, you can for sure uh, bet that some people will be a little nervous on this one. This is kind of important. Punter Sam Martin, who's not the greatest punter, 29th in average punting, 29th in net average punting. He suffered a hamstring injury on that blocked field goal that I just talked about, trying to uh, prevent the Steelers from getting a touchdown with their special teams defense. Uh, they did sign Matt Hack. Uh, Matt Hack, he's been kind of a journeyman in the NFL. Started his career with the Dolphins for a couple of years, then went to the Bills. He's uh, had some stops in Indianapolis, Arizona, Cleveland. Now is back in Buffalo. Uh, he, By the way, his claim to fame, this is kind of cool here for a punter. He threw a touchdown pass to Jason Sanders in 2019. Uh, Jason Sanders was a kicker uh, for the uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, that is the first time since 1977 a kicker caught a touchdown pass. So there you have it. Um, that's uh, that is the Buffalo Bills in a nutshell. Okay, time for my score prediction. I got to be honest with you guys. I've gone all over the place to the score. I don't know if it's going to be low scoring. There are some reasons to believe it will be low scoring with these two defenses, especially both of them being second and fourth in sacks. Very similar defenses. I think Kansas City has the better defense, and you see that with the numbers. And they've gone up against a lot of great wide receivers. So I think that is um, that is the evidence you need that the Chiefs have the better defense. The question to me is this. Who makes the fewest mistakes? I told you guys earlier, if Josh Allen is a turnover machine, the Chiefs are winning this one. If Josh Allen takes care of the football, the Bills win this game. But Josh Allen, and I know he played great last week, and he deserves credit. I was impressed by him. But it is a Steelers defense. A Steelers defense that didn't have TJ Watt. A Steelers defense that missed tackles, missed a very big key sack early in the game that could have maybe swung uh, the game a little bit, at least early on. Um, The Chiefs don't have those issues. They've had those issues in the past uh, for a long time. Different Coordinators have had coaches. Tackling has been crazy for the Chiefs. Not this year. Not this year. Chiefs are a much better team defensively when it comes to coverage, comes to fundamentals. They don't get a lot of forced turnovers. They, they, they don't get a lot of takeaways. They don't, they don't do that often. That's my only complaint about this Chiefs team. But I can see the Chiefs getting two takeaways in this one. That's uh, They only got one on Josh Allen last time. That was an interception throw to Shamari Connor, the rookie. The Chiefs had two turnovers in um, in their game against the Bills. I can't remember the first one. I'm looking at that real quickly. The second one I, I remember, it was to Rashi Rice. Oh, by the way, I said Rashi Rice earlier. I apologize. It's Rashi Rice. Um, Rice fumbled when the Chiefs were getting into a rhythm in one of their drives in the fourth quarter. Even though the Buffalo Bills did not score off of that turnover, that was a drive that probably would have led to a touchdown if the Chiefs did not come in a turnover. The um, 
Oh, I remember the first one now. Patrick Mahomes threw a really bad interception very early in that game. Um, in fact, it was on the very first drive of the game. Very first drive of the game. By the way, the two turnovers Buffalo got in this one, the interception from Mahomes and the fumble from Rushy Rice, the Bills did not capitalize on any of them. The interception, it was a four-play, 13-yard drive. They punted it back real quickly. And the fumble recovery, uh, three plays, negative eight yards, punted it right back to Kansas City, and the Chiefs got a field goal after that. So... Uh, by the way, that was the third quarter, not the fourth quarter. So my apologies on that. Yeah, that was right at the end of the third quarter. Um, I think Kansas City's done a better job of taking care of the football lately. They really, really have. If the offensive tackles can prevent Rosal and the rest of that unit to get to Mahomes, I like their chances. I think Donovan Smith played a good game. Mind you, it was against backups for Miami. But... I'm not, I, I, they got to play better. You got to put tight end help in this game. You got to put Blake Bell in there more often than you might anticipate or, or like to because you got to help your offensive. You got to protect Mahomes in this one. And if Mahomes relaxes and throws the ball only where his receivers can catch it, and you know what the defense is going to do Buffalo's going to panic. They're going to double team Rice. They're going to double team Kelsey. You can't double team everybody. So someone's going to get open. Clyde Edwards Alaire might get open. Kadarius Tony might get open. I know a lot of people don't like him. He doesn't have a lot of favor amongst the fans right now. But when he has the football in his hands, I don't want to be that defense, especially if it's in wide open space. If Kadarius Tony has a pass in wide open space, good luck. Good luck. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. I know we didn't spend a lot of time talking about him in this one, but I think the Chiefs. Definitely need to utilize the rushing game like they have recently against the Bengals and against the Dolphins. That's going to be key. And it was kind of a surprise to me because when you looked at the Chiefs and also even the Dolphins also, because the Dolphins have a great rushing unit. But in Saturday's game uh, against the Dolphins, the Chiefs, when you look at how they played, they threw the ball 41 times. They ran 34 times. Um, let me look up something real quickly here because I'm looking up the chiefs bills game in 2020, um, which we brought up and how the chiefs went there and beat Josh Allen, a rookie. Uh, was he a rookie at the time or was that his second year? I can't remember, but, um, uh, in that game, the chiefs ran the ball 46 times, the most they had ever run in a football game in the Andy Reid era. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, excuse me, 26 runs, 161 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 10 for 36. Daryl Williams, 6 for 26. Tyreek Hill had a run for five. Darwin, remember Darwin Thompson? He ran three times for 17 yards. The Chiefs, uh, as a team, 46 runs, 245 yards. Uh, and, and again, you look at last week's game, 34 runs. That's not 46, but this is probably the closest they've gotten to that number when it comes to running as a team. Isaiah Pacheco, 24 runs for 89 yards. Uh, 24 is a lot for one guy, but uh, listen, don't be afraid to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire involved. Seven for 21, not great, but still can do enough to help you uh, help you uh, move the football and get the, the chains moving too. 
You need that in this game. Patrick Mahomes, whenever he sees a wide open lane, do not hesitate. Do not at the last second throw of the ball. Because Mahomes did this in the Raiders game in uh, in Vegas. He had a wide open lane for a first down. But for whatever reason, at the last second, he tries to throw it to Kelsey. He tried to be slick. He tried to pull a fast one on the Raiders. But Kelsey was not ready for it. Yes, Mahomes and Kelsey are great at improvising. But when Kelsey has the wide open lane, or excuse me, Mahomes has the wide open lane, I don't think Kelsey would be anticipating that throw right there. So I said this earlier in the week, and I'll say it again. You got to be smart if you're the Chiefs offense. If you're the Chiefs defense and you continue to do what you do, plus force turnovers, great. That's step one to winning. Step two, take care of the football. Make smart decisions on offense. You do those two things, you win. The big key matchup to me in this football game, Chris Jones versus Osiris Torrance. If Chris Jones wins that battle and continues to just bully the hell out of Josh Allen, you got yourself a pretty good defensive game here. Josh Allen might fumble. He might get, he might get sacked. He might throw some ill-advised passes. And guess what? If you're the defense, you have to capitalize. And if you're the offense, you got to finish the job. I still don't know my score, guys. I, I, I seriously don't know. And I'm going to give it to you in like 10 seconds. This game could go all over the place with, with, with how both defenses are. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, this is the score I wrote down on my sheet, but I still was not confident in it. But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go 27-24. 27-24, Kansas City wins another epic showdown. Real quickly, I want you guys to give me your score predictions. Uh, cause I want to read, I have, I have not read a lot of your guys' comments tonight and I do apologize. Um, come back for the red Friday live chat, seven o'clock at night. Um, that is far more conducive to reading your guys' comments. That'll be a, a better time to, uh, to do an interaction like that. So, uh, I'll, uh, read a lot of your guys' questions that night. Um, Wade says 31, 19, John says 30, 24 chiefs. Charlene says, Joan Taylor be working my nerves. That is a damn fact. Gotta gotta nullify those penalties. Bills rushing and passing looked good against the Steelers. Yeah, Teresa, it did. But the Steelers defense is different than the Chiefs defense. Uh Jason says 30-14. Brody says 24-20. Scott says 28-17. Marcus 30, uh 40, Buffalo 29. Okay, that's that's quite the one-sided game. Scott says 28-17. Okay, also a little one-sided as well. 31-19 from Wade. 27-20 from Gwen. 33-24, Chris. Elaine says 30-27. Teresa, same score. 28-25 from Andy. Uh, everyone's picking the Chiefs to win this one, okay? Allen says 23-17, okay? So a lot of you guys think the Chiefs will get into the 20s or 30s. The majority of you guys are sticking with the 20s, though. Marcus says 40. Okay, Marcus. I like it. I love that. Um... I'm going, uh, I'm going 27-24. I think the Chiefs will make mistakes in this football game. But I think they'll also do some things in this football game that, you know, the crowd that likes to shit on this offense, they'll be impressed whether they want to admit it or not. But this Chiefs defense, they're going to be the key once again. They're going to be the key. And that matchup makes me smile. Chris Jones versus Osiris Torrance. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be key. 27-24, Kansas City. 
All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. If you guys came in late and missed any part of the live portion on Facebook or YouTube, that's okay. The podcast will be uploaded very soon to Apple, Spotify, and all the other podcasting outlets. So uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, real quickly, before I sign off, a big favor. I've not, uh, uh, I've um, mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, I am going to start uploading a lot of videos on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. The YouTube channel is still fairly new. So if you guys would, please make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash at the chief zone the name of the podcast the chief zone so youtube.com slash at the chief zone please subscribe to that we're going to start putting a lot of video content on there very very soon uh all right guys i will talk to you all on the red friday live chat seven o'clock uh in 47 and a half hours exactly talk to you then take care peace out talk to y'all later